This is a Centre for the History of Medicine in Ireland podcast. For details about the Centre, please go to our website at www.ucd.ie forward slash history forward slash In this episode, recorded on the 29th of January 2015, Dr. Angela Davis of the Centre for the History of Medicine, University of Warwick, reads her paper entitled Developing Bodies and Minds, Children's Experiences of Preschool Child Care, Britain, circa 1939 to 1979. The chair for this paper was Dr. Lindsay Erner-Byrne. Um, it's a pleasure to introduce and to chair uh, Angela Davis' um, paper. She's from the Centre of the History of Medicine in Warwick um, and has published a monograph on modern motherhood, women and family in England uh, between 1945 and 2000, so quite quite contemporary history, um, and is also in receipt of a Welcome University Award. Is this uh, research coming out of that no, award? No, it isn't. Or? This no. is... Stuff from the, the book or...? Um, from the project in between. <laughs> that sounds like a busy schedule. Anyway, so, uh, so without further ado, I leave it to Angela. And thank you. Yeah, so thank you for the invitation um, to be here and thank you for <laughs> those of you who braved it in this, in this snowy weather. Um, so yes, today I'm going to be talking about uh, children's experiences of preschool childcare in Britain in the um, decades... Uh, the Second World War and decades afterwards. And in the middle of the 20th century, the question of how to care for the under fives was seemingly an uncontroversial subject in Britain because it was assumed that they would be best off at home with mother. Yet, probing beneath this assumption, it becomes clear that the issue was actually one of intense debate. Arguments against childcare outside the home centred on the fear that separating infants from their mothers caused emotional harm, whilst its proponents believed it provided children with opportunities for physical, cognitive and social development. And if most people agreed that very young children should be at home with mother, until what age this should be was not clear. So should this be two, three or five And should care or education be the main goal of such services? And what about children who couldn't be looked after by their mothers? Or children whose home conditions meant that their health would benefit from time spent outside it? Or indeed, the only child who lacked the company of other children? And of course, casting a shadow over all of these debates was the rising rate of female employment. So what should be done about the children of working mothers? And there were no simple answers to any of these questions, with issues of resources combining with ideological concerns about respective roles of the state and the family, and competing theories of child development um, also determining the provision of care for the under fives. And a lack of funding for many child health and welfare schemes meant they could not always meet the aspirations society held. So the, the paper, my paper this evening, is part of a wider project looking at preschool childcare in post-war Britain. But today I'm going to be exploring children's experiences of one form of preschool childcare, the day nursery. And I'm going to be looking at a range of different published and unpublished materials, including both written documents and oral history interviews. And there were a whole wealth of contemporary sociological and medical studies 
conducted in the post-war decades about the health and well-being of children in different forms of preschool provision. There was research into the preferences of parents looking for childcare, uh, the economics of care and also the job satisfaction of practitioners who worked within these services. And there were a number of studies of the strategies by which working women were able to combine home and family. And I'm going to be making use of, um, of all these studies. Uh, I'm going to be looking at some archival um, uh, records as well, looking at government records and reports at both the national and local level. And these reveal how decisions being made about preschool services um, and how they were interpreted in different places. And finally, I'm going to be making use of oral history interviews that I conducted for the project in order to think about the experiences of uh, those involved in preschool childcare, including practitioners, mothers who sent their children to childcare, and people who attended forms of care as children. So the, the oral history interviews reveal how those involved in childcare think it affected them, how their attitudes have changed over time in, late of later, uh, in light of later developments, and offer a way of thinking about the effects of childcare um, in their entirety. Existing accounts have often detailed what services the state has or hasn't provided for parents, and particularly mothers, from the point of view of supply rather than demand, and I'm hoping here to uh, rectify this bias uh, by uncovering the experiences of care. But before I look at children's experiences of day nurseries, I'll just say a little bit about their history, because day nurseries had been in operation since the 19th century, providing care for children during the working day. And they were established both by employers for their female workers and by philanthropists who were trying to improve the health and welfare of working-class children. Peter Baldock argues that by the turn of the 20th century, the second motivation was in the ascendancy, so this concern about health and welfare, due to alarm about the high rate of infant mortality. And Margaret and Rachel Macmillan's famous Deptford nursery grew out of what was essentially a health promotion project with Carolyn Steedman arguing that Macmillan's system of education was focused on the improvement of children's bodies. Other daycare projects had similar origins. The City of Westminster Health Society, which started a day nursery in 1927 as part of its health promotion programme, stated in their annual report for 1930-31 that the grounds for admission were nervousness, lack of sleep and appetite caused by want of fresh air, convalescence and general delicacy, precocity or want of discipline. Reflecting this association between day nurseries and child health, medical and nursery nursing were also linked. And this connection was cemented when the Royal Sanitary Institute, the RSI, the principal body for the training and education of medical nurses, started examinations for nursery nurses in 1932. And with the outbreak of the Second World War, the affiliation between day nurseries and healthcare was further reinforced when the war nurseries were placed under the control of the Ministry of Health. Pat Slater started working at St Anne's Nursery in 1940, aged 14, and discussing her training, she said that because the students would be working in children's nurseries, 
they had to learn all the different childhood illnesses and what to do in a crisis when a child was ill. Then at the end of the war in 1945, a National Nurseries Examinations Board, the NNEB, was set up for England and Wales, which closely connected with and subordinate to the relevant bodies for professional training and medical nursing. Recalling the day nursery she attended in the mid-1960s, Margot said that all the staff wore formal uniforms and they looked more like nurses compared to nursery staff today. And similarly, Jean, who trained in the late 1960s, said, uh, you wore nurses' uniforms. The only thing you didn't have was a little cap on your head. But despite concerns about child health, the first half of the 20th century saw a decline in nursery provision. Although nearly 200 day nurseries funded by the Board of Education were opened during the First World War, they proved a temporary expedient. There were 174 nurseries in England and Wales in 1919, but, only, but 70 fewer by 1936, with only 104 day nurseries accommodating 4,291 children. In Scotland, approximately 2,000 children attended 55-day nurseries, and toddlers' playgrounds and child gardens associated with child welfare schemes. Furthermore, while they were acknowledged to meet the physical needs of the children who attended them, Hilda Menzies, who was the Deputy Medical Officer of Health in Essex, noted that these pre-war nurseries were criticised for paying insufficient insufficient attention to the children's general development and play activity. And as had been the case during the First World War, the wartime nurseries established during the Second uh, did not outlive the wartime need for women's labour. Proponents of nurseries had argued that they should continue on the grounds of child health. In the National Society of Children's Nurseries four-year plan for nursery provision, which was published in April 1943, the Society's chairman, Cyril H. Nathan, stated, The seed sown when the child is under five will affect his whole life, and no subsequent education or care can completely put right what is already wrong. While much help has been given to mothers by infant welfare centres, attendance tends to fall off after the child reaches the age of one. There is abundant evidence in the physical and mental development of children regularly attending nurseries. However, the government took the opposite view, and in a 1945 Ministry of Health circular, the Minister of Health declared that the correct course of action would be to positively discourage mothers of young children under two from going out to work, and to make provision for children between two and five by the way of nursery schools and nursery classes. They did acknowledge that day nurseries would have to continue for a considerable time to cater both for the under two age group and for those in the two to five age group whose needs were not met by education authorities. Furthermore, while state provided day nurseries remained the responsibility of the Ministry of Health, until they were transferred to social services de departments in 1971, they were now to be administered through the local health authorities under day-to-day -day control of the local medical officer of health. 
and different local authorities had very different attitudes about the importance of the provision of day nurseries. And local authorities also had to make do with diminishing resources. And in consequence, local authority day nurseries fell market day nursery places fell markedly from 71,500 in 1944 to 21,140 in 1969. In the early 1950s, the National Society of Children's Nurseries lamented in their executive committee meeting that nurseries are closing daily. And the priorities for admission to the nurseries also became stricter. In the late 1940s, having a mother at work was in itself a reason for a child to be admitted to a day nursery. However, as places were being reduced, the reasons why a mother was at work became important. So only the children of mothers who were the sole providers of their families, due to widowhood, illegitimacy, or because they were separated from their husbands, were deemed in need of nursery care. And the criteria for admission had narrowed further by the late 1960s. A Ministry of Health circular from 1969 stated that the children of unsupported mothers who had to work did still form a priority group. But there was the added qualification that this was only true if no private arrangements could be made for care of the child. So by the 1970s then, simply being a lone mother did not guarantee a place at day nursery for a woman's children. Both her earnings and her ability to find alternative means of care were also being taken into account. Throughout the, uh, throughout the period I'm looking at, local authority day nurseries were viewed as a place for children from underprivileged homes. But the definitions of poor home conditions were also being modified. With growing affluence, the general living standards of the population rose, and in consequence, understandings of deprivation became increasingly entangled with a range of other markers of disadvantage. So the physical environment, namely housing, featured less markedly in the list of priorities for day nursery attendance, whilst the dangers of emotional instability gained prominence. And linked to this was a new visibility of child abuse from the 1960s onwards, with the child's attendance at a day nursery now seen as an intervention for dysfunctional families. So, uh, listing the priority groups for admission to a day nursery in 1969, a Ministry of Health circular included children for whom daycare might prevent breakdown of the mother or break up of the family. And new groups were also seen as benefiting from day nursery attendance, such as children from ethnic minority backgrounds. Reviewing the results of a national study of day nursery attendance in the mid-1980s, Willem van der Aken concluded that more and more children and their families using day nurseries are drawn from ethnic minority communities. The proportion of Afro-Caribbean children nearly doubled between 1975 and 1983. The number of Asian children increased nearly as much, whilst the proportion of white children fell by some 5%. Children with physical and uh, mental disabilities were increasingly given priority for admission. For example, within London County Council, small numbers of deaf children had been attending day nurseries from the 1950s. 
Then from the early 1960s, a number of special units for the admission um, of uh, severely disabled children were established in nine of the council's day nurseries. And by the mid-1960s, places were set aside for children whose physical or mental development might be advanced in the care of the nursery and through mixing with other children. And summing up these changes, Van der Aken uh, suggested that by the 1980s, local authority day nurseries had been removed from the arena of provision for under fives to a much more limited and specialised interventionist role, concerned with the children of families about whom social services departments have some concern. But while they were now reclassified as a social service, their role in ensuring the health of the children who attended them was still recognised. From the numerous and widely used local authority administered day nurseries open to all working mothers during the Second World War, by the late 1970s, the day nursery service had become a much more limited form of provision intended to prevent children from being harmed by inadequate homes or parents and to avoid the last resort of residential care. And this included children from difficult family backgrounds, one-parent households, and some children with disabilities. So I'd now like to um, focus on how children themselves experience this changing day nursery service. In a 1953 conference uh, for social workers on the subject of the family, um, it was indicative of the, the conference was indicative of the professionalization of social work and its own particular view of the family. And the papers for delegates reflected the consequences of daycare for the under fives. And they stated, a great deal of argument and discussion seems to have surrounded the subject of the nursery school and day nursery, as apparently a very doubtful service. Few groups see the provision as valuable uh, educational agency, and many regard these centres as merely dumping grounds for children uh, by parents anxious to be free of their responsibilities. As this quote indicates, one of the main concerns levelled against day nurseries was that their focus on physical care meant that the education of their charges was neglected. And writing in 1971, the nursery teacher Joan Cass thought that because day nurseries were staffed by nursery nurses rather than teachers, children's educational needs were not met with children receive in residential nurseries receiving a particularly poor deal. These concerns remained at the end of the century. Research published by Osborne and Milbank in the late 1980s on the effects of early education revealed a mixed picture in respect to the consequences of attendance at local authority day nurseries. And they drew on data from a national longitudinal, longitudinal study of, in England, Wales and Scotland of all children born during one week in 1970, who were then studied at the ages of 5 and 10. And they found that in terms of cognitive and educational development, children who attended local authority day nurseries were on par with those children who attended other types of preschool institution and on average higher than those of children without preschool experience. But they also found that children who attended local, local authority day nurseries 
were the most deviant group in terms of 10-year conduct disorder, hyperactivity, and extroversion. And they surmised that the long hours and full-time attendance at local authority day nurseries, and the fact that some children attended them um, from an early age, uh, contributed to their increased risk of later deviance. The association of day nurseries with disadvantaged groups and poor outcomes meant that there was a stigma attached to day nursery attendance. Fiona, who was born in 1941 and grew up in Sanderstead near Croydon, attended a day nursery at the end of the war when her mother had a new baby. Her father was away in the forces at this time, and she said, We were sent off to day nursery, which we weren't supposed to be because it was supposed to be for working mothers. And we were there for about a fortnight, I think, and we picked up whooping cough, and so we were terribly ill. And I can remember that quite vividly too. And it's interesting that Fiona both remembered attending the nursery and associated it with acquiring a bad illness. It was not a nice place. An Oxford mother who sent her child to a residential nursery while she and her husband were in the United States for six weeks reflected back with some concerns that it affected her daughter's development. She said, She was slow to develop, and she was standing up when she got there, but once she got there, she never stood up, and she didn't start to walk at all. About two days after we got her back to her home, she stood up and walked across the room. Obviously, we'd done the wrong thing. Wendy worked in a residential nursery in Kentish Town at the end of the war, and she found it a traumatic experience. She's told me that she was so appalled at what was going on um, there and the fact she couldn't do anything to influence it. Some efforts to improve conditions for children were made during her time at the nursery, but she felt these were insufficient. Interestingly, she remembered that a visit by Anna Freud prompted some changes to be made. She said, uh, while I was there, Anna Freud came round with some other visitors I had no idea uh, why they were there, just looking round. But I'd begun to read Freud, and I thought, I wonder if she's related to him. And of course, it was his daughter. After that, there were a few changes. We were asked to put the babies in prams outside to sleep sometimes, uh, about once a week. So they saw a tree. And also, they had to go down once a week to the playroom. And it was a huge room with a wooden floor, the whole length of one wing of the building. And there were chairs round the walls for the staff to sit down and there were soft toys on the floor. The children were brought down in the lift and placed in this huge place, terrifying for small babies, and they crawled or shuffled around and played with the soft toys and each other once a week. That was their play provision. Some interviewees did say that they had traumatic experiences in day nurseries. Gaynor went to a day nursery in London in the late 1940s. She told me she absolutely hated it, cried all the time. She added that she had a very bad experience at school as well and that that was a result of nursery. When I, when I talked with her what, what it was that she hated so much about it, she replied, Parents weren't allowed in the door, for example. It was just frightening all the time. Nothing felt secure and I didn't have any support from home because my mother was out at work. The negative experience that she had, that Gaynor had at the nursery, was exacerbated by her family background. Her mother had had to return to work to support uh, her family because her father was ill 
with tuberculosis and subsequently died when Gaynor was six. And her memories were also influenced by a later experience after her father's death, uh, when she went into a children's home. She told me, when you're put in a children's home, you think you're there forever when you're very little. And they took the teddy bear away and put it in a trunk in the main entrance, which was your only link with home, really. And my mother bribed me with a little bunch of grapes, um, and they knew she was bribing me not to cry. And I was trying not to cry because I knew she would. Maria's son entered a day nursery in Longford, Coventry, at the age of 10 months in the early 1970s, as she had to return to work as a teacher after her husband left the family. She said, So I had to go to work, and my youngest son's been blaming me for years because he was put in a nursery where he was abused, unfortunately. They hit him, which I didn't find out for years, but he's got over it now because he's in his 40s, but it was not a very good time for him. And she felt that his poor treatment at the nursery had long-term consequences. She had found out about his early traumatic experience when he was in his teens and started having a bit of nurse trouble. As with Gaynor, it's likely that her son's negative experiences were compounded by the family's difficult circumstances, including uh, his parents' separation and Maria's own mother's mental illness, which had led to her being sectioned. And some day nursery tenders were more positive. Margot had attended a day nursery in Rumford in the mid-1960s from a few weeks old when her mother, a teacher, returned to work. She recalled that, Overall, my memories are of a confident time being happy and feeling safe. Her mother, Pat, said, It was difficult to get her to come home. She preferred to stay on the rocking horse. And Margot also thought that encountering a range of children had been beneficial to her in later life. She said, I've always found it easy to mix with people in general, and especially with people from different backgrounds and nationalities. Her good experiences led her to send her own children to a day nursery, um, each from a few months old, when she returned to work after they were born. She explained, I wanted my two children to mix with a wide variety of other children. Both are very sociable and mix uh, easily with others. I also felt confident in placing them within a nursery environment as I had confidence in the staff and their ability to care for and nurture them. And I liked the fact that there were multiple staff rather than just a single person, as in the case of a childminder. London women interviewed by Hughes, Mayle, Moss, Perry, Petrie and Pinkerton said that their children enjoyed day nurseries too. For example, the mother of Jackie, aged two and three quarters, said she loves the nursery. She'd live there if she could. If she's sick, she wants to go. The other day she was feeling ill but insisted I take her. Alan, aged three and a half, was very shy. That was my main reason for, reason for wanting him to go to nursery. He keeps asking to go. He loves it. He's much less shy now, mixes well. It's brought him out a lot. He's very sociable and popular now. Ben, three, aged three and a quarter, also loves it. Every morning asks, am I going? Also at weekends. He's definitely benefited. He's forming friendships, mixing with other children, learning to share. And Emma's mother, uh, aged three and a half, said that Emma is quite happy about going to nursery. She doesn't like staying at home. At weekends, she says she'd like to go. If she was at home with me, she'd have a miserable life. Day nurseries also adapted their practices as the period progressed. 
Inspired by wartime child psychology, day nurseries aim to provide children with a stable environment and durable relationships through the use of family groupings. For example, the Medical Officer of Health for London County Council stated in 1963 that wherever practicable, their day nurseries were organised in this way. Hillfields Nursery Centre in Coventry, which opened in the early 1970s, also provided home bases for each family group. Margot felt she did establish a relationship with her carers, particularly Matron, who smiled a lot, adding that she had fond memories of her and can still recall her face. And as well as enabling the children to form an attachment to their carer, family groupings also allow children to form bonds with other children in the group. So uh, Margot remembered the relationship she established with other children as being very important to her. She said, I remember hugging my friends and holding hands with other children. She said, I very much liked playing with other children. I remember forming some good friendships and had favourite children I liked to play with. And I can also remember pestering my parents to, uh, to go visit one of my best friends outside of nursery. But... Not all um, children experienced such positive relationships with the other children they encountered. Cathy attended the Thomas Coram's Children's Centre in Camden in the late 1970s, which, like Hillfields uh, in Coventry, was an early combined nursery, cen uh, nursery centre, and it was founded in 1974 through the collaboration of the Tor Thomas Coram Foundation, the London Borough of Camden and the Area Health Authority. And she was ambivalent about her experience. So she told me, I did play with other kids, and some of it was nice, and some of it not so nice. I remember it being a time of finding out what other kids were capable of, and what their intentions were, and I think I was quite pliable and manipulable. Indeed, she had been left with mixed feelings about sending her own children to nursery. It makes me nervous to think of my kids going to nursery. Um, because of other kids. Kids can be cruel and difficult, but I do know that it's all also of the utmost importance for them to be socialised. And it's interesting that her older brother, Tom, had a somewhat different experience. While he also said that were very unpleasant characters, he said he had generally enjoyed playing with the other children. And when I, when I asked him how he thought going to nursery had affected him in later life, he answered, I certainly felt that it was important for my own son to go to nursery as soon as possible at three in order to start socialising with other children and to start gaining um, a small degree of independence from us. <clears throat> but while family grouping with close and intimate relationships between um, groups of children and between children and their carers was the ideal in day nurseries. The realities of staffing uh, worked against this practice. Writing in the 1980s, Bain and Barnett criticised day nurseries for preventing a child from developing an attachment with one nurse. And this was because of the high turnover of staff and also the structure of care provided in some nurseries where all the staff cared for all the um, infants in the nursery rather than being assigned a particular group of children to care for. Wendy had worked as a nursery nurse um, and after 
and afterwards worked as a nursery teacher. And then she went on to train nursery nurses. And she thought that one of the grave disadvantages for children is that the staff tend to be on the whole young and always changing. So the children don't make firm relationships with the member of staff who looks after them. And not all nursery nurses wanted an intimate relationship with their charges either. Uh, Garland and White found that the amount of physical contact between adults and children varied considerably between nurseries and between um, nursery nurses. And while for some nurses it was clearly a pleasure to be able to take a child onto their lap for a cuddle or to pat the top of a head in passing, to others the idea that a child might appreciate a cuddle seemed never to have occurred. And similarly, while it was increasingly accepted at the theoretical level that children should be slowly introduced into a day nursery, um, and again you can see the, the work of Anna Freud and others at play here, wide variations in practice occurred. Emma discussed how children were settled into the nursery in, um, in different Coventry day nurseries where she had worked in the early 1960s. She, had, she said that we had some very stressed and upset children, obviously, because one minute they were at home with mum, next minute they were in this alien environment. She said there was one day nursery where I had a placement where they were extremely good at doing the introduction and they were also beginning more of a family centre in that they did support the parents. But this was one, one nursery she worked in amongst, uh, amongst a number and this was the only one where they were doing this um, in, uh, gradual separations. Amanda had trained as a paediatric nurse but worked as a nursery nurse in a nursery attached to a private school in the late 1970s. And she thought that young children found it extremely difficult to be separated from their mothers. And echoing John Bowlby, thought the consequences of not managing such separations properly caused them behavioural problems in later life. And even in the um, 1990s, some nurseries did not favour gradual separations. Paige worked as a nursery nurse in Warwickshire in the 1990s, and she recalled... I remember working in the nurseries and always encouraging the parents to just go because they'll be fine as soon as you've gone. So there was a huge variety in practices in different nurseries in, um, uh, in how they managed things like um, gradual separations and the care, uh, the family group in care. So overall, day nurseries aim to offer positive intervention in children's physical, social and cognitive development. However, they often could not live up to the high standards that they set themselves. While they may have wanted to have provided small group care with one nurse looking after a small number of children, offering them stability and, um, and a substitute mother figure that they could attach to, staffing and resource issues limited the service that they could provide. And while children from secure backgrounds with satisfactory emotional and material resources um, did not recall day nurseries as being problematic for them, and indeed some of the women that uh, women and men I interviewed who um, who had attended day nursery were positive about their attendance. The children in the nurseries were really um, intended to assist those from poor or unstable family backgrounds recalled their attendance with far greater ambivalence.
So to just say some conclusions, throughout the period um, from 1939 to, to the 1990s, really, even extending beyond um, 1979, day nurseries were seen for an exceptional service for families in need. Provided by the local authority, they were initially seen as a health intervention, later becoming viewed as a social service, and this was reflected in their management. Their users also became an increasingly narrow group of parents as the post-war period progressed. So, for example, while they were available to working women and children in poor housing conditions in the late 1940s, by the 1990s, they were targeted at a very small number of families where the children were, seemed, were deemed to be at risk. So there was quite a change in, um, in rationale between uh, day nursery attendants from being seen as a universal service to being very much um, narrowly targeted at at-risk groups. As they were provided by local authorities rather than national government, however, the day nursery service also varied greatly between different areas responding to local policy concerns. So, for example, in, in Coventry, the uh, Medical Officer of Health aspired to the day nursery service being something that could be used by um, a large number of women, and he bemoaned the fact that he couldn't open more day nurseries. Whereas in Oxfordshire, um, the Medical Officer of Health wanted to close all of the day nurseries in the county, and, and this reflected things like the numbers of working women, but also um, the political colour of the, of the different authorities, um, as well as just personal views about the importance of day nurseries and the benefits to children of being in nursery as opposed to being at home with their mother. The day nursery service aimed to provide a positive intervention in the physical and emotional development of children from deprived backgrounds. And best practice was informed by the psychological theories that were dominant at the time. So such as providing family groupings or gradual separations from, from uh, parents or parental involvement. But the realities of staffing and the limited resources meant that they could not always meet the ideal. So there was a constant tension there between what day nurseries hoped to achieve and the realities of the situation. Concerns that day nurseries were further failing disadvantaged children, particularly in terms of their educational attainment, eventually led to their replacement by children's centres. So in the end, it was decided that, um, that a service provided within health departments or social services departments could, was always going to be limited in what it could actually provide and that children needed to have um, <clears throat> uh, the input of the educational departments as well and to be taught rather than just cared for and that, uh, that the physical... Um, care was not enough. Their educational needs also needed to be met. Reflecting the mixed record of day nurseries, those involved viewed them ambivalently. So nursery workers thought they were providing a worthwhile service. Nonetheless, many said it was not a service they would themselves use. And nursery workers, nursery nurses often said that they would never send their own children to day nurseries. Mothers wanted day nursery places for their children, and they often um, were upset there wasn't enough day nursery places uh, in, the, in their areas, and said they would prefer to use day nurseries than childminders. But they were often uh, subject to stigma 
and felt marginalised by nursery practices. So they often felt that they would like to be more involved with what was going on in the in day nurseries, but they were kept out, that they weren't allowed to discuss their their children's um, concern, their concerns about their children. Um, and because they were in receipt of a service, they felt they couldn't really complain about it. And children also recalled their experiences at day nurseries with complex feelings. So some did feel they benefited from attending a nursery. They enjoyed the opportunities to mix with other children that they felt they wouldn't have had if they um, had not attended a day nursery. They felt they had established good relationships with, with their carers and that this had benefited them in their later lives. And, and several did say that they had wanted to replicate their own experiences of attending a day nursery with their own children. So it was obviously something that they looked back upon positively and wanted um, wanted their own children to benefit from too. But there were also many reservations expressed by the children who attended day nurseries. And um, so they could think it was positive that they'd uh, had opportunities to mix with other children, but also talked ambivalently about those experiences having other children not always being nice. And they felt that they um, uh, could have had opportunities to, um, to benefit from being with other uh, workers at nursery, but um, but also sometimes those relationships hadn't they hadn't been able to form those relationships, and in some cases uh, they they recall the nursery as being a very traumatic experience for them. So um, what I found then was that it's quite a complicated picture when you're thinking about children's experiences of day nurseries and. Um, my conclusion really was that those children who um, who came from stable home backgrounds actually um, had the most positive experiences of, of day nurseries, and those children who um, came from more troubled backgrounds, and indeed those were the, the children that who should have been benefiting, actually uh, got the least benefit from attending day nurseries. Thank you. Thanks for that uh, really interesting paper. I have loads of different questions and I'm going to...